Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. I did good. I didn't try to say your line again. <laughs> you almost did. <laughs> and this week we are going to be talking about minute number 71. Mm-hmm. I know we've been saying this every week, but I don't, we don't really have a lot of movie left. <laughs> no, we don't. We're pretty close. We're in probably the last third of the movie, if I'm going by the book. You know, um, I only have about a third of the book left. I mean, in our heads, I feel like this half of the movie is a lot longer, but I guess when you're watching it like this, it's going to fly right by. We're already in, like, Superdrive right now. We're on, we're going to be on Christmas Eve of 1984. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. In, it's crazy. In the timeline. Mm-hmm. By the time this minute ends... Yeah, it'll be Christmas Eve, 1984. I hope you're still keeping track of all these important milestones for our timeline. I know, I haven't updated the timeline, but um, I, I, have the, I have a note of them. So, don't worry. Everything is accounted for. So, before we begin talking about minute number 71, I do have to make a correction. You know, sometimes when you're doing a movie-by-minute podcast like this, you're so focused on those minute details that you kind of miss the big things that are right in front of you. Okay, so what what did we miss? Okay, well, this is something I missed. You're, you're completely innocent. Okay. <laughs> so, Ben, do you remember minute number 62 of Santa Claus the Movie? I do. It was about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so, in that scene, BZ was at that Senate subcommittee meeting and there was that southern senator the chairman yes maybe you can bring up some of his classic lines or one of his classic lines right here manufactured by your company the bz toy manufacturing corporation um yes well what do you say to that sir yeah that guy right there right now i said in that minute that wikipedia and imdb gave no clue who the actor who played that character was. Right. Nobody called me out on it. No, no, we didn't get any listener emails or anything, but I was researching something else for upcoming minutes. And then staring right in front of me was the name Jerry Hart, credited as Senate Chairman. And it's like, has that always been there? <laughs> it was right there on IMDb. It's like, has that always been there? I even jumped ahead in the video files. And sure enough... Jerry Hart as the Senate chairman is credited in the end credits of this movie. So I have to apologize to the Salkins. I have to apologize to the listeners. And let's ha- we have to give uh, Jerry Hart his due right now. Okay, well, I don't think you need to apologize to the Salkins because they have left plenty of people out that should <laughs> have been credited. So the fact that they got this one old white guy credited in their movie is not a big shock. So, well, we got we to gotta give Jerry Hart okay. his uh, time to shine here on Santa by the Minute. All right. What did he participate in? Born in 1931, and he has passed away. He passed away in February of 2018 at the age of 86. Mm-hmm. He was a character actor whose first screen credit was in 1978, and he appeared on many BBC series that we've never heard of as Americans. Right. This seems very familiar, doesn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it's like every actor you talk about has the same background. 
I feel like in the UK in the 80s, they had like the stock company of uh, like, oh, that guy. Mm-hmm. You're you're the professor and you're the nanny. They had one of those three ring binders, you know, with the sleeves with all their headshots be like nanny. And then there's like four different pictures of this, you know, of very similar actresses that would play the nanny. And they just picked one of those four. So most of Jerry Hart's credits, he obviously got into acting later in life mm-hmm. if his first credit wasn't until 78. Yeah. But a lot of judges, professors, ambassadors, politicians. But he has a couple of very significant credits, very small roles, but still very significant credits. He's credited as Rebel Force Head Controller in 1980's The Empire Strikes Back. Oh. So he managed to get into a Star Wars movie. Nice. He played Professor Stanton in 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, okay. He was a fellow professor to uh, Professor Jones. That's pretty impressive. Nice. Yeah, it is. And he um, also played the role of Herb in 1995's French Kiss. That was a movie starring Meg Ryan and Kevin Kline. I wasn't familiar with that, but I didn't know if that would uh, no. ring any bells with you. No, it does not. And his last credit was as a board member... In 2001's Jack and the Beanstalk, The True Story. Mm -hmm. That seems uh, fitting that he'd go out playing another stuffy board member. A true story? How? The true story. Oh, 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 okay. The true story. Not a true story. I was like, what? (laughs) No, I am pretty sure that that is not an actual true story. (laughs) This is a uh, Jim Henson Creature Shop production. Oh, okay. And without having seen it, I'm going to guess this is something from the Giants' point of view. Yeah. Where Jack is kind of like the troublemaker. Yeah, probably. So, anyway, that, that is the career of Mr. Jerry Hart, who has captured our hearts, Ben. See what I did there? Yeah, very clever. As, as the angry Southern senator. Yes. So, our Minute 71 begins as it is revealed that the person carving the wooden elf figurine is santa claus himself big shot did you see that coming (laughs) i did i knew it was coming if the the beard and the polka dot yellow pajamas didn't tip you off but it is indeed santa claus he's seated at a table in his and anya's living quarters and anya takes a seat at the table oh my an elf portrait It was nice they gave Anya an elf pun. Yes. Patch and the elves don't, can't have all the fun. Right. You know. Can't have all the puns. <laughs> There's another one later on in the movie. Um, later on in the minute from the book. Oh, I, I love, I'm pretty sure. I love lost elf puns. I'm pretty sure it's in this minute. Yes, it is. It is in this oh, minute. Oh, boy. Yeah. You haven't made one of those. <laughs> it's for Joe. And then Santa cuts her off. Well, I know the answer. Okay. <laughs> In the book, Anya's voice just trails off. Santa doesn't just cut her off. She just kind of trails. Much like I do all of the time when I'm talking. So John can relate. But it says here, her voice trailed off as a strange feeling, almost of unreality, filled her. Claus had not made a toy with his own hands since they had come here to the North Pole. More time... Holy cow! I know. More time than she could even clearly remember. 
Claus was carving a wooden toy elf, and she saw that he had lost none of his skill in the intervening centuries. In fact, his artistry seemed more remarkable than ever. He's been there for, what, thousands of years, and he hasn't made anything with his own hands. That's incredible. Yeah, I think we we had it down to about a thousand mm-hmm. years. So he hasn't, like, picked up a piece of wood? No. And, and or anything in that long you're just overseeing the elves why would he get why was he so tired i don't know he obviously wasn't <laughs> making any toys well i i know that one night a year w- would really take it out of you especially if you know it could last like i don't know how many years in our time well, i don't know but i mean he has 365 days to make up for it we've already talked about this at length yeah. and how santa could easily you know take a breather you know right. the night's moving with him you know he could take a nap yeah. somewhere along the I mean, way if he needed it, to it's not like he has to do it continuously yeah it's not like a race against a clock santa. right <laughs> so santa informs anya that the elf figure is it's for joe he never got a present in his life and he's too proud to ask for one he makes me think what our son might have been and I think this is one of the rare times that the movie actually touches upon Anya and Claus's inability to have children or kind of hints yeah, at Yeah, it. it's more more subtle. More like they just never had the chance in that particular conversation. You know what I mean? Because in the book and the deleted scenes and the comic book, mm-hmm. it's brought up multiple times. It's brought up at the beginning, back at the village yep. with little Elsa and all them. Mm-hmm. And it's brought up again at the end. It's made much more clear that Santa is intent on adopting Mm -hmm. Joe. But we'll get there shortly (laughs) in about 30 minutes or so, 30 episodes. At this point, Santa turns the figure around and Anya notices that it looks very familiar. It's Patch. Oh, it's not Patch. Santa does a total dad thing. It's like, (laughs) what? That's not Patch. What are you talking about? But then Santa has to concede that it does indeed bear a striking resemblance to Dudley Moore. Well, I guess it does resemble. My good old patch. I personally don't see it. You you don't see the Dudley Moore resemblance? No, I, I can see how they want it to make it look like Patch. You know, he's sitting at the piano playing the piano like Patch does. But I personally don't see Dudley Moore in that. I never have. I it was always like, I've never agreed with them that this looked so much like Patch that she could pick it out of a lineup being like, oh, it's Patch. Like it doesn't, it's, to me, it is not that... What he's, what the woodcarver has done is amazing. I don't want to take away from that. The fact that they could make an elf portrait like this is is awesome. But I don't see that it's like, oh, that's Dudley Moore. It's impressive that Anya even knew it was an elf yeah. when it's facing away from her <laughs> yeah. instead of just a, a dude playing the piano. Yeah, well. It's like, oh, you're carving a figure of a man playing the piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But maybe that's the only thing he carves every once in a thousand years is an elf. An elf portrait. (laughs) If they made, let's say if Funko made a recreation, like a vinyl figure recreation of this wooden figure, 
Would you buy it? Yes. Even if you think it looks nothing like Dudley Moore? Yes. Now, the whereabouts, current 2021 whereabouts of this prop are unknown, but I would have to assume if it still exists, I have to imagine it was was gifted to Dudley Moore. Yeah, I would imagine that it would probably be with the Dudley Moore estate somewhere. Or it was at some point, you know, who knows if after he passed away, if anybody was like, what the heck is this thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so if anyone knows the whereabout of Patch's elf portrait, mm-hmm. be sure to let us know. Yeah. We, we, we want to make sure it's safe. <laughs> because going back to, you know, tying it back to Indiana Jones, that, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then we abruptly cut to the TV studio, but I have to think that the book might have a little bit more. Yeah, so after Santa says, good old Patch, he murmured, I hope he's all right, unable to bear even the thought that his favorite young helper was anything but. And then the book transitions into Patch was anything but all right. So it transitions from Santa talking to Anya about how he was hoping that Patch is okay. And then Anya nods like in set in, you know, kind of like in recognition to what he said. And then the next paragraph, there's like a little line. And the next paragraph is Patch was anything but all right. (laughs) And then they go into the commercial. So yeah, it is a, it is a, Boom, it's a sudden cut from, like, nice yeah. and cozy North Pole with Claus and Anya to, boom, it's big and bright and flashy yeah. and gaudy looking. Because it's, like, it's like very tacky. This is what a BZ TV commercial set would look like. And I just want, um, I want to point this out because I'm afraid I'll forget it. But in the comic book, while Anya and Santa are having this talk about the elf portrait santa has the tv on and he is (laughs) listening and it has like some chorus kids on the tv singing jingle bells while he is carving this feature piece and then it's like on a white horse open sleigh and then he goes oh good old patch i sure hope he's all and then in the comic thing, it cuts him off and it goes straight to the commercial of Patch's uh, lollipop. Well, that's Which does not correspond to the movie or the book event way of things happening. This is purely comic book world. Has its own transition of things that doesn't relate to either one. So. It takes place in the Santa Claus the movie multiverse. <laughs> yeah, it's a different way of things happening over there. <laughs> it, it is a Marvel comic, so <laughs> so let's let's try to untangle the timeline here. Okay. So we have Santa and Anya sitting at the table. I suppose that could be any time. Yeah. But this commercial, Patch said that he wanted it to air on Christmas Eve. So we have to assume this is Christmas Eve. And going over the footage, this commercial has to be broadcasting live. And it is. Oh, we have confirmation that it's broadcasting live. Yes, because um, here in the book, it says someone yells, places everybody, and then everyone kind of melts away. 
This is uh, from Patch's point of view. Everyone kind of melts away off stage, and an announcer says, "Live from New York, presenting direct from the North Pole, that perky pixie, that nimble gnome, the elf himself. It's Patch." Oh, I love and that. And then it goes into the commercial. Then it starts with Patch talking like he does on the movie. Now, before we get into the commercial, we do have to set up what is going on. Mm-hmm. Patch is having some makeup applied and his hair done by two women off to the side of the screen. I, I, le- I have no confirmation on this, but I would I would have to assume those were like the real makeup people on the set of the movie. Probably. I, I don't know, but that that's how it plays out in my head. I mean... The dance instructor was the actual choreographer of the movie. Why can't these two ladies yeah. be the actual hair and makeup ladies from the movie production? You know, I would not be surprised if every single person in the background of this shot are all normal behind the scenes in the movie. They just backed the camera up. Oh, man, I am totally going with that. You just blew my mind. Because, <laughs> I mean, you can see the dance instructor in the background warming up the... Uh, dancers the chorus girls and then you know you can see the guy the guys loading the snow flakes into the machine behind which is exactly what they would do for the normal you know what i mean so i wouldn't be surprised if this is them just getting ready for the shot normally is the choreographer in this scene the same one from the dance class yeah Wow, I never noticed I mean, that. She looks like it. You don't get a very good look, but it's the same color hair, same body type. She's wearing the blue pants. Like, I'm pretty sure it's her. Wow. Oh, man, I love geeking out every week over every minute of this movie. <laughs> so anyway, Pat, you know, is a little concerned because the set that he's about to do his commercial on looks nothing like the North Pole. But Towser assures Patch that BZ knows what he's doing. I don't know about this. I mean, it isn't what the North Pole looks like at all. BZ knows what he's doing. He knows how to grab the people. But man, take a look at that set. There's a giant green parrot Mm -hmm. on one side. And there's, there's snow machines on each side. There's some snowflakes, like big cutout snowflakes dangling from the ceiling. And some balls of light. How, how would you describe those? Yeah, they're just, they're big. I mean, I think they're projections onto the wall. There is a very angry looking elf. I don't think that was intentional, but he looks angry to me. <laughs> like a giant figurine, like probably like a, like a plexiglass figure yeah. of an elf. But his, it looks like he has angry eyebrows and his face is red. Yeah, it's, it's Patch. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing on the North Pole? <laughs> Maybe it's, it's puffy. It's puffy. Then there is a Christmas tree in the middle, and I never noticed till examining every inch of this frame that there's like a ball on top of the tree that reads patch in like cartoony yeah. letters. In a puce circle. So it's like the puce pop on the top of the tree saying patch. And, and I know it's supposed to be the puce pop, like a, like a big prop version of a puce pop mm-hmm. in a box in front mm-hmm. of the tree. But all I see is the Target logo. Yeah, me too, because that's not what the Puce Pop even looks like. It doesn't have the rings like that. It's just a solid Puce Pop. There's no rings like the Target logo. And then a little further over, we have a giant figure statue of a snowman wearing a blue top hat and a red scarf. And then we have some other sort of animal bird 
thing. It's red. Has like a red belly. Is it an owl? A rabbit? What am I, I looking at? It looks kind of like a rabbit to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like uh, the things on the side where his arms are look kind of like wings. So I wasn't sure yeah. what I'm looking at. But, let me let me try yeah. to blow it up here. Even when they're doing the commercial and they like zoom into the commercial. You still can't really tell what that thing is. The that snowman looks like it reminds me of the snowman from that um Billy Crystal movie. Was it Billy Crystal the one the Jack? Jack Frost? Yeah. I think that was Michael Keaton. I Michael think, Keaton. I don't think it was Billy Crystal. Sorry, my bad. It was it was very foggy back there in my memory banks. <laughs> Since everything that we talk about on this podcast is connected. Yeah. You know how you brought up Michael Keaton and Jack Frost? Yes. The snowman in that movie, which, by the way, I haven't seen in A Million Years. I don't even know if I saw it in full. Yeah, I don't either. But the snowman in that movie was made by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. And now, and this bit of trivia that I'm going to tell you, you won't be able to unsee it. Okay. Um, when the Before the movie went into production, George Clooney was cast as the dad who becomes the snowman. And when the Jim Henson Creature Shop built the snowman puppet, they made it look like a snowman George Clooney. So it does look like him, though. I, I wasn't wrong. No, it does look like the snowman in this minute as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I do see a George Clooney in there. That's kind of funny. Like, we can't rebuild this puppet, even though we recast the dad. I mean, it's generic enough. Yeah, that, but you can, tell you, know, the, you can tell what the Hensons were going for. Yeah, you can. That's funny. But anyway, I'm, I am glad that my memory banks did work well enough to be like, hey, that looks like the Jack Frost <laughs> snowman. But anyway, so how, that was a nice side tangent. <laughs> that's not why people tune in for our side tangents. <laughs> So um, I have what Patch is thinking. While okay, okay go ahead before we move on to my next topic of discussion. <laughs> yeah, so while he is kind of having this conversation with Towser, Patch was thinking in his head, the whole commercial scene reminded him of a bad dream he once had after eating too much icicle ice cream for dessert. Icicle he, ice cream? Yeah, he hated this commercial. Patch hated it. He didn't like it at all, and he was not happy about it. Well, we can one bit. We'll talk about it more next week, but you definitely get the vibe from Patch that he's not comfortable, at least, right? Doing this commercial. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the costume that Patch is wearing in this scene? Uh, it's very sequin-filled. It's like sequins from head to toe. Yeah, like very sparkly. Very sparkly. And of course, we have to point out. I'll point it out this minute because we have a lot to talk about next minute, that the costume that Patch Dudley Moore is wearing in this minute still exists, and it is on display at Castle Noel in Medina, Ohio. We've mentioned this place many a time. Someday, me and you will make the pilgrimage to Medina, Ohio. We will. (laughs) We need to get Mark Claus on the podcast. Maybe he can tell us how he got a hold of the Santa Claus the movie props. He's the uh, curator of the Castle Noel Museum. I know. I wish we could get out there. I wish it was just a little bit closer to us. Because you can go on their website and see it in a glass case right next to Burgess Meredith's beard, the Ancient Mm -hmm. One's beard. And, of course, the animatronic Donner still exists in Ohio. Yeah. Along with a multitude of other Christmas movie props. 
I want to get here. I want to get there someday. We're going to have to just bite the bullet and I go know, it's one like, of these days. Where are you going on vacation this year? Medina, Ohio. <laughs> All we have to do is go for one day. Yeah. We just fly out one day, go to the museum, fly home that night. <laughs> and I'm curious what other Santa Claus props may exist in his collection that, yeah. you know, haven't really been documented, but nerds like us would be like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there is that thing from the movie from right? minute number 37 we could record a podcast episode straight from there like just straight onto our phone and then <laughs> upload it and then you could have our real reaction the whole time we're there oh yeah there's a dance instructor right there yeah and then boom it's showtime oh man there's a good shot of angry elf right there Mm-hmm. no wonder this would be uh, in patch's nightmare so Patch is surrounded by many chorus girls, all with giant prop lollipops. And then the chorus girls start singing a Henry Mancini original commercial jingle for this movie. Patch Natch. Now there's a whole bunch of lyrics to the song that we don't get to hear in the movie. I think I'll save those for next week because we hear more of the song in our next minute. Yeah. But I do want to say that it is called Patch Natch. That's what it's called on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Natch is like an old-timey word, meaning like shorthand slang for naturally. Mm-hmm. The subtitles for the movie say Patch Match. Mm-hmm. I just wanted, I, I don't know how the person who put together the subtitles landed on that. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it auto-corrected. <laughs> Auto-correct gets me every time. <laughs> I gotta be honest, until we got the soundtrack CD, you know, a couple years ago, I just thought they were just kept saying patch over and over, like patch, patch. I didn't know (laughs) there was another rhyming word there. So I guess I can't, I can't rag on the transcriber of the movie too much. So I have a little bit of um, Patch's thoughts before he starts talking here. It's um, drawn out, but I'll do my best at kind of making it a little bit consolidated. But Patch is obviously not happy with what's going on, right? (laughs) He's like, this is not the North Pole. So he took a deep breath and began to recite his greeting to children everywhere. But the words of Merry Greeting, which he had rehearsed for days now, seemed completely unfamiliar to him as they crawled up out of some hidden depths onto the screen of a teleprompter. Intended to reassure and guide him, he found to his frightened dismay that the printed lines were only leading him astray. <laughs> the, the, very um, poetic in this description. But first they went slow, so he was dragging out all of his words. Then they were going so fast that he had to try to catch up. And this is all before what we're seeing right now. So there must have been something before this that they didn't show on the movie. But um, it says here, this is the this is the elf pun that I was talking about. So BZ's venal manipulation had in one stroke reduced the once elf assured patch who had been so certain that he was on top of the world to a confused pawn in a game not of his own devising. So 
Patch was all happy and like ready to bring down Santa Claus, proved to him that he could do the job. And then throughout the year, BZ has just whittled him down to not being very sure of himself at all. In Mostly in this commercial, I think. Because it doesn't really come across anywhere else. I, I mean, to be fair to... I mean, I, it sounds weird, but to be fair to BZ. You know, I mean, Patch has not put any <laughs> thought into what his something special would have looked like. No. Tasted like. What no. color it would have been. He barely knew what a commercial or the telly what's it was. Mm-hmm. It's like, what yeah. did he expect? Yeah, I I don't really feel bad for Patch at all in this. I mean, it was his own doing, you know? And, uh, like, yeah, like you said, like, Patch really did not have a plan. He was just like, hey, I want to make something. And BZ is paying what has to be... A fortune. Yeah, ungodly amount of money to broadcast, not just on the TVs of New York, as we will see shortly, but on every TV channel in the world, including TV channels that they get at the North Pole. What kind of reception is at the North Pole? Yeah, because it says that the girls, they sang and danced to calculatedly revised Christmas carols, riveting the attention of television viewers everywhere. And across the U.S., parents and children glanced from their tree trimming and present wrapping to watch the spectacle. All right. Well, now that you brought it up, I I have to bring this up, too. Mm -hmm. I I know we've talked about it, not on this podcast, but just in general, how in movies and TV shows, they're always trimming the tree (laughs) on Christmas Eve. Makes no sense. They they bring the tree into the living room and start getting it set up on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Is, Is that just a movie thing? Does anyone actually do that? It's like, okay, I'm going to spend five hours putting up the tree. <laughs> have it up for one day. Oh, it's time to throw it away now. Take yeah. it down before New Year's. I mean, even if you didn't take it down on the 26th, you're, you're not getting a lot of tree time. Especially nowadays where a tree, like a real one, is going to cost you like 60 or $70. And they can't be buying it on Christmas Eve because the trees are all gone by then. You know, I mean, think about all these movies. They always go out and buy their tree on Christmas Eve. It is 100% unrealistic because all of the Christmas tree farms are closed up by Christmas Eve. Just like pumpkin carving. If you wait until Halloween to carve your pumpkin, good luck finding one that isn't all moldy and fallen apart. I mean, I guess it would make like more sense like back in the old timey days, like way, way back, like before what we're talking about here you know like your log cabin and you go out back with your little axe and chop down a tree from the woods and drag it in the house and that's your christmas Eve you put day. candles on it and hope it doesn't burn down the cabin right yeah so anyway write in if you know of any instances of anyone <laughs> in the last 70 80 90 years mm-hmm. who has just put up their tree on christmas eve yeah I want to know. I I really want to know. Seems like a waste. Yeah. A waste of time. A waste of a tree. A waste of money on ornaments. If you're only going to have them up for one day, what is the point? And and it's usually, usually the kid's like stringing popcorn or something. Yeah. So then you have a waste of popcorn on top of it. Does anyone do popcorn garland for real? Like not just in the movies, but in real life? 
I want to know these answers. I know that, you know, we live in a secluded area. You know, we only know what we know. We need to know what other people do, too. It's very important for my knowledge. I wouldn't be able to waste perfectly good popcorn like that. No, there wouldn't be any on the garland if you did it. <laughs> the popcorn would be gone before, like, it'd be you and Tegan sitting on the on the couch putting the garland together. And there'd be, like, that comic, you know, where, like, Tegan would be putting the popcorn on the string and you'd be on the other side eating the popcorn <laughs> off the other end. Just eating it off the string. Yeah. <laughs> like the candy necklaces. <laughs> eat the popcorn. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to bring this up to the uh, other Christmas podcasters and yeah. see what they have to say. Yeah, we'll have to make a poll or something for them. <laughs> we, need, we need answers. I think most of them probably put their tree up like the day after Halloween. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, you they, know. They, they may even bypass Halloween. It's like... No, that is not right, okay? (laughs) You can bypass Thanksgiving all you want, but Halloween stays where it is. I've worn you down over the years about Thanksgiving. (laughs) Well, my importance of Thanksgiving has gone out the window as then when I was a child and I thought it was an important holiday. I don't feel that way anymore, so Christmas can come in on November 1st for all I care. But Halloween stays. Halloween. Thanksgiving is just a pregame to Christmas, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Thanksgiving and, is only and, an excuse to eat food, and you don't need to have Chris. You don't need to have Thanksgiving decorations up to eat food. <laughs> and we have so much Christmas stuff that it takes practically three weeks of November <laughs> to get it all unpacked. Anyway, this is this is That's why we true. can't believe anyone would just start putting their Christmas stuff up on Christmas Eve. Yeah doesn't make any sense to me all right so there this was a 40 minute episode filled with a lot of side tangents <laughs> i was hoping to get these two minutes quick but it's not gonna happen <laughs> oh my gosh wait till next week <laughs> i know i know well ben if anybody wants to tell us about their tree trimming habits mm-hmm. where can they where can they find us online you, you can reach us on facebook instagram and twitter at santa minute and you can email us santa by the minute at gmail.com Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any one of those episodes. For free!